Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My Ed Tech Life. I am excited to be here with you all on this wonderful Monday evening, or maybe it could be well into Tuesday, depending on where it is that you are in the world. Thank you so much for joining us today and making us part of your day. And as always, my friends, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much, as always, for all of your support, for all the likes, shares, follows, tweets, retweets, and all of that. We definitely appreciate it. We do what we do for you. And of course, as always, our mission is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. And I am excited about today's show. This is a show that has been planned at least a couple of weeks, uh, you know, in advance, but definitely looking forward to it. And the timing seems to be just right for this as there is just so much to unpack. But I would absolutely love to welcome one of the most amazing educators that I follow. And I'm just, I'm definitely being honest with that. Uh, since 2008, when I, 2018, excuse me, when I jumped on Twitter and just fell in love with ARVR. Uh, Amanda has been one of the educators that I have followed, and now she's doing some amazing things and having some amazing conversations and resources in the AI space. So Amanda Fox, welcome to My EdTech Life. How are you this evening? Thank you. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I had a, a week off for spring break, so and then jump right back into it with a conference in Dallas last week. And now I'm back to, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone. I'm uh, working on some some new books that Teacher Goals has coming out. Just for those of you watching, um, I am the chief content officer at teachergoals.com. And we not I'm not only write uh, books, but I, I love um, being kind of behind the scenes and helping other people um, disseminate their knowledge and make education better by elevating their voices and making sure that their messages get out to change education. Absolutely. And that's such a wonderful mission as we definitely need more platforms like that to be able to share just all the awesome stuff that is happening in the education space to continue to inspire veteran teachers, continue to inspire some of the new teachers that are coming in into our education space so that everybody feels welcome and there's always something out there for them. So Amanda, thank you so much for again, being here this evening. And I am excited to get this conversation started. And as you know, if you have seen the show or for, and for many of our audience members that are out there watching and joining us, we all know that everybody that gets an invite to the show is somebody that I look up to the work that they do that they're putting out on social media. And it's almost I liken them to a superhero. And as we know, every superhero has an origin story. So Amanda, I would love for you to share your superhero origin story. And I always like to start off first by asking, is education or is education something that you already knew you wanted to go into? Or is it something that came in at a little later time? Well, actually, I have my degree in education and my master's in instructional design, learning and technology. So I, in a sense, yes, but I didn't go into education right out, right out of college. I actually uh, became the marketing director for Roost Chris. So uh, Steakhouse, I waited tables through college and, you know, it was like go into the classroom or make a lot of money being a marketing director. <laughs> so I chose the marketing director route. And then um, what happened is after after about a year of that, I realized that I, I wasn't getting job fulfillment, selling really expensive wine to people. And, you know, while I love wine and wine dinners and, and all, all of those things, I just, you know, I just didn't feel like I was reaching my potential or, or, or heeding that call uh, to teach. So when I was like in first grade, I'd come home and I'd have all of my dolls set up or all of my sister's dolls. I was more into GI Joe's. Um, and <laughs> we would create, I would create like little tests for each one of them uh, and have my sister, I'd, I'd start teaching her what I learned that day in school. And um, that kind of perpetuated throughout elementary. And I, um, I don't know, I guess 
it just natural. I just naturally followed through with college and, and then finally, you know, went into education in 2000, 2010. So I've been in for 13 years now and um, I don't regret it one bit. Like I remember starting out my first year, I took a huge pay cut, but I didn't, I didn't feel like my life took a cut anywhere. I felt like it was, it was more enhanced that I had purpose and I was so happy coming home. You know, I had all these stories of kids and, and it just made my life more full and more enriched. So uh, from, from there, I, I was that first year teacher and um, I had big dreams and big plans. And in 2013, I got asked to help start a STEM school. This is three years after I had gone in. And at that time, STEM was just emerging. And I remember in the interview, they're like, well, what does STEM mean to you? And I'm like, oh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I just spit out the acronym. And uh, I think the most defining and pivotal, pivotal, pivotal time in my career was actually working at STEM Academy in Savannah, Georgia because we created this narrative story-based curriculum from sixth to eighth grade. And each, each grade level had their origin t-shirt. They were all superheroes. And um, our school um, mascot was the Raven. So um, I started uh, the film program there. And uh, my first year I taught social studies, I flipped it and I was big into Erasma and AR, VR, um, not so much yet, but then got into Mer. I guess my love of technology kind of uh, kept me hungry and creating and sharing. And I saw Lodge McCammon. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. So he did these whiteboard videos. They were one take flip videos. So after my, fir my first year teaching social studies, I would stay after school for like three hours and I'd take a standard and I'd unpack it into five whiteboards, went to Home Depot, bought the big whiteboard, had it cut in, and then I'd record my lecture in five minutes. If it went to 15, I'd break it up into part one, part two, part three. So we're looking at like the Russian Revolution, um, the five themes of geography. And uh, I started there and I saw he, he did uh, kinesthetic learning where he actually did songs about the content. So that year of teaching, the, the last five minutes of every class, we learned the, the five themes of geography song, um, and we, we learned the dance to go with it, and my students did three flash mobs that year, and it was just, it was just amazing, like just seeing him teach and sitting in on his, at a conference in South Carolina, and watching him, you know, have people just break out into this flash mob, and it, it was just so much fun. And he, he just kind of infected me with that, that enthusiasm that education can look different than sit and get, that kids can be moving and they can be moving and learning. And our, the, we did a, a test or an assessment on World War II. It was like the end of the unit. And I have a kid who's sitting there and the, the move for embargo was this. And as, as he's going through and we're, we're you know, checking his you know, recall and assessment, he's sitting here doing this and he's like, so just, just being able to connect knowledge with kinesthetics and, and uh, project-based learning was huge with the flip classroom. All of my lectures were five minutes, the other 45 minutes, the kids were applying that content. So I, I figured out that I was kind of good at what I was doing and that people wanted to learn about what I was doing, which uh, seeing him and seeing him get up on stage, like it kind of lit a fire un under me. And I said, one day I want to do that. And every year I text him and I say, you were the catalyst. Like you, you were my person. So long, long origin story, but there we go. <laughs> no, but that is amazing. You know, there was so much there to hear about you and to unpack and just to see, uh, obviously the passion, you know, the, the drive and, you know, again, very similar to you. I mean, I, I didn't go directly into education. As a matter of fact, I don't have an education degree, uh, but then I came into education and I absolutely fell in love with it. And of course, you know, finally being able to get on social media and then following educators 
such as yourself when I fell in love with the um, ARVR space and uh, Jamie and so many, you're absolutely right. Sometimes all it takes is that one or two people that you follow and then you just kind of take it to that next level. You kind of remix things, make it your own. And it just gets exciting. And just like you mentioned, you know, for the students as well, being able to be that facilitator and be able to just have them enjoy and still be able to have that learning experience enhanced through, you know, kinesthetically, you know, movement and so many other parts. That is something that is amazing. So now I want to ask too, like now being in the classroom, like you mentioned, and having that experience, um, you did mention a couple of tech apps and so on, but when was it, or was there a specific, maybe like you said, a specific person or a conference where you just started just maybe implementing more tech into your classroom that kind of led you to where you are now? Uh, I think even in my undergrad, I was drawn to tech and integrating tech because I'm a techie person and it got me excited about what I was doing. So that that first year, well, not first, well, yeah, first year of teaching when when Padlet was Wallwisher, when I figured out that students could author at the same time and 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 like Google Docs for me that real time editing, like I remember dri like not driving, riding as a passenger to a conference and like checking my students their as they're working and being able to to drop in and say hi, like. This is Miss Fox, and you know this is great. But like, try rewording it this way because at that at that time I taught English and just modeling that um, on the side and comments and and putting it in on the slide. So, um, and then uh, Storybird, we we had students reverse engineer stories that year using using Storybird, which gives you a set of images, and then you have to unlock the story in those images and and write something that makes sense. So I used I used that uh, technology tool or platform to have students write stories of origin. And uh, we looked at folk, folk tales and uh, it was just such an amazing experience. And at the end of the year, the kids actually got their books printed and they held them. And um, like I, I didn't get to hold a book that I wrote for the first time until like 2019. So to be able to give them that experience of writing something and then holding it in their hands, like a finished printed copy, is, is something that, that I think every kid should experience and that we should take the time to make, to make sure that that um, opportunity happens. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I think uh, oftentimes on that, we just, we want to ask just for output from the students just to turn in, but they're, they're, the output is just really either a worksheet, whether it's digital a project or something like that. But like you said, so there's something special about them actually being able to create something and then it becomes something tangible and real to them that can definitely uh, inspire them. So I love that. And then like you said yourself, you know, that story where now you were teaching your students this and they were able to hold their book. And then in 2019, you were able to hold your own book. And I bet that that was an experience. So tell me about that experience as we, you know, we're definitely going to be talking about, you have been very a busy writer, that's for sure. So tell us about that passion for writing that, you know, where did that idea come from? Was it from inspiring your students? You know, then did you just say, you know what, I can do this too, or tell me a little bit about how that went. So I've, whenever anyone asked me when I was growing up what I wanted to be, I want to be a writer That's and an artist. That Those were the, I want to write and I want to, I want to draw. And they're like, well, you can't make money doing that, Amanda. You have to pick something realistic. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to teach writing and maybe art. And, and all the way back to like second grade, you know, when you make the little flipbook animations, right? I, I made mine on line paper and stapled it and would flip it. And um, I would write my own scripts and do, kind of like do my, my sister and I, I remember it's like third grade, we had that little tape recorder and we're just passing it back and forth and we made our own talk show. So um, I think it, I think it's always kind of been in me, but I didn't believe that I could do it until I surrounded myself with people who dreamt, who had the dreams that I did. And um, that's, that's one of the big things that I like to say in every podcast and, and, or anytime that I'm talking about people who have 
I, I just, I didn't get here alone. There were people that I looked up to that inspired me. And with social media, with Twitter, with Facebook, um, my message to you, to anyone who's listening is you don't have to, you know, be limited to the people in your building. Um, you, if you do that, you're a goldfish and you're going to grow to be, you know, the big goldfish in the building. Um, the world is your fishbowl. And there are a lot of people out there doing amazing things. There's always someone out there doing it better than you. Find those people, surround yourself by them because that's what makes you grow is to, and, and make sure that they have the, the mindset, the aptitude and the positivity to also help you flourish and um, the principal I had at the STEM Academy told me to, Amanda, always surround yourself by dreamers. Because if, pe- if they can dream with you, then those dreams have a better chance of becoming a reality. And that's, that's what I try to do. Like, just, you know, for you, for example, I, I've been following you forever as well. And you amaze me. Like, the, number one, you show up every day. Your consistency I mean, this is what, episode 193? 193, yes. Oh, my gosh. So um, the dedication to the craft, the dedication to elevating others, and there's so many people who do such a good job. And to move education forward, it's a collective uh, initiative, and uh, people need to work together. And that's – I forgot what the original question was, but yeah, I started off with flip books. <laughs> yeah, no, but but that, no, everything was great because it, it actually segues straight into what I was going to ask because now, I mean, looking at the teacher goals page right now on your page, you have four books. So let's talk a little bit about that, you know, and see the progression. I, I mean, obviously you are definitely a person who has a love for tech and you use it so well with such great intentionality for the students and for the learning experience and for, you know, teachers, educators like myself, that we can easily take this in, you know, and then internalize it, kind of make it our own and then be able to present it to people that may be surrounding us that could, you know, benefit from this as well. So tell us a little bit about your books that you have written. And I know that you wanted to kind of share a little bit of news too as well as maybe a little project that you may be working on there. But uh, just walk us through here as far as uh, maybe go in order from your first book, maybe the inspiration behind it, and then, uh, you know, talking about that just creative component because that's what we're going to be talking about. We're talking through your creative journey as well. And then, of course, the AI magic that we'll be getting into as well. So my my first book, um, back in 2016, I was president of the Young Educator Network for ISTE. And I had a, I was in the focus group and they're like, Amanda, young membership is falling off. Why? I'm like, because you don't write for young educators. They're all, they read like textbooks and manuals. And I'm like, do something fun, like Night of the Living Luddites. <laughs> and, um, and they're like, oh, that, that is interesting, but we can't call teachers Luddites, Amanda. I'm like, well, they do exist. So um, what, what ended up happening is that uh, me and the outgoing president, Mary Ellen Weeks, like we came up with this concept for a class, a classroom apocalypse. <laughs> so it's, it's the classroom apocalypse. Like uh, it's, it's called teaching land, a teacher's survival guide to the classroom apocalypse. And it's supposed to be like a fun, edgy read. And each chapter begins relating, finding an educational metaphor within the context of a zombie film that exists. So te- uh, teaching land is the first one. And it's a, it's a rift off of zombie land. And we have 13 rules to survive, like rule of two feet and um, uh, Ziploc bags. They're great for maker challenges. <laughs> um, cardio, uh, you know, um, you have to you have to be in shape to, to make the 180 day track. And it's it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. No, it's a no, it's a sprint, not a marathon. No, it's a marathon. That is a sprint, basically 180 days. It's a marathon, but you are sprinting it. And it seems like we sprint from holiday to holiday. So just just providing teachers uh, or new teachers the opportunity to learn about different assessments, um, classroom culture, colleagues, 
um, leaving your building. There's there's the um, I am legend, but it's be a legend. Scratch you scratch it, it's scratched out. There's I zombie that, uh, <laughs> and it's it's about like getting students online, but also connecting with their interests. Which that chapter is all student written. And um, what happened was Dave Burgess actually approached me when he found out we're doing a zombie theme book. And he's like, this sounds more like a DVC book. And I ended up publishing um, with Dave and it was fun. Um, it's, it's definitely an acquired taste book. Like it, it's, it's not for your everyday education reader. It, it was probably one of the books I had the most fun writing, but it sold the least. <laughs> So, but um, it's, it's totally, it's a totally fun read. I put a lot of my heart and soul into that and my brains. Gotta, gotta have the brains uh, pun. And then Zombie, a Design Thinker um, was a kid's book companion that kind of took Zip the Zombie through this uh, Pinocchio-like journey to where the, he has this empathy machine and as kids start designing and solving world problems, it fills it up and he turns back into a human because um, that human component is what we need to, when we when we look through the lens of, of solving world problems and real issues. Um, and then from there, um, I wrote, I think this was the Canva Classroom. And that actually yesterday was my book birthday, one year book birthday. So the Canva classroom was written because I'm a Canva-holic and um, I just I just saw it as, as a tool that was going to go huge and mainstream and it, it has blown up tremendously in the last couple years. And it, it basically covers, um, it's, it's the Hitchhiker's Guide for Educators series. So my inner nerd, I cannot put some sort of movie reference in my books. So the, the Hitchhiker's Guide for Educators, I envisioned it being a series that covered different tools. So Canvas one, we have the Quiver Classroom, the AI Classroom, um, maybe an Adobe Classroom. That would be cool. Just planting that seed. We don't have a writer for that yet, but we're looking. <laughs> and um, from there, uh, this year, um, right before FETC, I wrote uh, the A to Z field guide to Canva, which is more of a glossary of terms. It's like a quick reference guide. Um, there's not really any um, ed tech integration strategies or anything in it. It's just like, here's a, you know, you want to look up Bolt Create, you go to Bolt Create and it explains it with screenshots of how to do it. So um, from they're actually, I skipped Markertown. So Markertown in 2017, my kids are the inspiration for this. It's the first day of school. We have all these great, wonderful school supplies, brand new markers, 20 minutes alone, 20 minutes. Every marker has its cap off. I'm, I don't, I'm finding them in the couch cushions. I see this poor little blue marker like laying there and my writer mind immediately started personifying this marker like, oh, help me, you know, crawling for its cap, like, you know, and I told my kids, I'm like, you guys need these markers. What if they had feelings? You need to take better care of them. I'm going to write a book called A Marker's Funeral. And, and then that title obviously didn't stick because it was very depressing. So um, then I had the opportunity to kind of envision what would a marker town look like? So you have your flare pens and you have your classics and um, you have your water brush markers, the artesias that I love to buy by the 50 pack. You have Sharpies, you have highlighters. And what would their community look like? Like what parts of town would they live in? So there's an underlying theme on a socioeconomic theme that is kind of underlying. But the big thing that differentiates this book is the AR content, the augmented reality that's embedded throughout. And um, I'm a dreamer. So what do I do? Start cold messaging all these AR companies. Hi, I'm Amanda Fox. You don't know me, but I have this idea. And um, because of uh, the virtual reality podcasts I did for three years with um, Alex Chaucer, um, James McCrary, and Stephen Sato, it kind of opened up these doors for me. It gave me that credibility to actually have these conversations with CEOs of these companies. And I got a meeting with two companies. I ultimately ended up going with Quiver Vision. And um, from there, I started working with them as their director of education. 
um, and helped kind of map their pathway forward and new coloring sheets, connecting them to content and, and writing, you know, the template that ultimately is what all their ambassadors use for that platform. But they developed six coloring pages that are embedded in the book. And when you scan them, they come to life, which I'm probably droning on and on. Um, let me see. So if you if you want to share my screen real quick. So these are the coloring pages. We have a create your own flag. And with this, there's a lesson plan where students actually create a flag that represents the theme of the book. So it connects it back to literacy. Um, the frame, uh, the first page, my kid's artwork is on the board. The markers are like, oh my God, look at what I did there. It's so beautiful. So the uh, students that are re the readers get to actually add their own artwork in the book. So this is a book that invites kids to actually draw in, which I was told growing up, don't draw in your books. I always did. I always did. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there's an elephant. My little elephant scribbled next to it. Like I draw my, my version. So the kids are actually invited in and there's a dinosaur. Well, the, the art page also filters through Matisse, Van Gogh. So there's an art history lesson um, kind of embedded into that page. The dinosaur, who doesn't want a cool dinosaur that comes to life and stomps around in a book? I don't have a lesson plan that I've created for that one. Um, the Ferris wheel actually is a simple machines lesson. So it actually breaks apart and students have to rebuild the Ferris wheel and learn about the axle, um, the wheel, like all of all of the parts of a simple machine. And then the marker town um, Sharpie is just like a hype page. It's the title page when you when you open the book. And then finally, I think the clock page is one of my favorites because it um, actually teaches kids analog and digital time telling. They can they can move the hands of the clock and the, the digital time will adjust according to where the hands are. It's good for math. You can teach skip counting and all kinds of things um, with the hands. So, and going back to the flag page, all the little flags down at the bottom, you can actually play the national anthem for every country and look at the flag kind of waving in the wind. And what's exciting, which um, we just debuted this for the first time at McCall in March, Novel Effect just created a soundscape for Markertown. So if you go to Novel Effects and you go and you type in Markertown, the ebook is actually in there. So as you read it, you can display it on the screen. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to be available for you to have for free, but it's in there. And with Earth Day coming up, I've got some amazing uh, marker recycle and upcycle um, ideas that, that students can actually look at. That is awesome. I, and I love that, you know, just how interactive it is. And uh, recently, actually this week, or maybe was it last week, I know that I had seen, you know, a teacher had posted they were using um, some of those quiver sheets, coloring sheets in their class and applied it to their learning. And I was like, this is amazing. This is just wonderful to see that just freshness in the lesson, enhancing that learning experience, making it a little bit more hands-on and just taking a different approach to what you know, we would normally do, but just elevating that a little bit much more and making it a memorable experience for students. And I think that's something that's wonderful. And a shout out to Novel Effect too, as well, you know, and being able to create that soundscape because also that adds more to that learning experience. So that is awesome. So I love that. Yeah. And, and the idea behind it was to get kids excited about reading and literacy and to have them want to keep coming back to the book. And all of the coloring pages are available to download. So if you have only one copy of the book, everyone can still get their own coloring page. And this isn't the only AR book we have. Um, Jeff Kubiak just released Monsters Have Manners. And there's a really cool monster coloring sheet that teaches, uh, there's a game where they have to clean the room and they get points for like putting their stuff away. And it gives five facts for, you know, or positive uh positive things that come from living in a clean space and, and having pride in your environment. And, and, and the whole, the whole book is just fantastic. And a book that I'm super, super excited about Trisha Fugelstad. I don't know if you follow her, yes. but oh my gosh, she is just off the charts, insanely creative. And um, 
her her book, Peter a Meter, is this robot who um, has this emotional meter, and he's put in the context of a situation, and he has to determine what the appropriate emotion is or button is to push. And uh, it, it takes you through the realm of emotions and that every it's like reader, reader, can you help Peter that I don't think that was the final line that we went through at the, at the end of the edits, but it's got a call to action for the reader where they scan the page and then they can see his response to um, his environment and, and what's going on. And just she's she's working on an activity book that goes with it right now that's up to 20 pages and it's all her artwork and she's just this amazing talented artist and guys look for this book it is coming out and um hopefully hopefully this summer it's in layout right now and um i actually i like i can't i can't wait to get my hands on that book like that book i could see trisha getting a, a netflix show or some sort of cartoon deal off of the <laughs> oh she's watching yeah she's <laughs> watching Thank you so much for joining us. I was about to, I am sharing uh, her Twitter handle here also as well, just so everybody can follow her. Cause I've been following her for the longest time. Like I said, when I came into the space and following all the AR VR peeps, you know, you and everybody and Trisha too has been there and just seeing the stuff she does. I'm like, wow, like that's, that's at a different level. So thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. It is at a totally different level. And um, like, Something happened to her Twitter. I remember she had like twenty or thirty thousand followers. Um, she had to start over. But when I was getting started in the ARBR space, like Trisha was someone that I turned to as well, and like I looked up to, and um, she inspired me. And just everything that she's done in her art classroom is just beyond stellar. And I love how sharing and caring and giving she is with that stuff. So, but um. Speaking of Trisha, I've asked her to illustrate my next kid's book, which is called Artie Bot Draws a Lot. And um, it so the AI classroom came out and AI has been a hot topic. Um, Educators everywhere are divided. They're on the fence and they're like, we should ban it. We should accept it all and integrate it now. And there's there's got to be a fine line. Like as we have to do our our duty as educators to vet and um, make sure that we are integrating tools with fidelity, um, with precautions, and with student security and privacy in mind. And um, one of the things that I did when I moved to Kentucky after I left the STEM school, which my husband had to tear me out of that school kicking and screaming. Like I I would probably still be there if we didn't move to Kentucky. So I started a company called Steampunks EDU. And um, the tagline was education with edge because it was the new tech that was on the edge or the peripheral of education. And I saw it as my job to test it out in after school programs and um, figure out the best ways to get kids learning with it, like co-spaces, for example, um, when that came out. So now one of the new AI tools is Blockade Labs where you can, you can actually, which if you want to share my screen again. So Blockade Labs actually lets you craft and create your own 360 exper- experience with prompting. So um, I did this whole video game lesson using Bloxels on the Oregon Trail. So um, if we type in just the Oregon Trail, and this is this is not a very good prompt, you can change like what type of um feel that you want for the art piece so we're just going to stick with the digital painting hit generate and um give it a minute to see what happens but um you you can generate these 360 worlds download them upload them in the co-spaces and they could like take descriptors from their like let's say if they're recreating scenes from a book they highlight the setting the descriptive imagery they pop that in and boom they've just they've just created um, and manifested something from from a book. So here we go. So here's here's Oregon Trail. We're just going to kind of scan and look around. So now imagine in CoSpaces, which for those of you who don't know, it's a 360 like VR, AR, um, drag and drop coding platform where students can build their own 360 degree worlds. So now that they have this, they can use elements, houses, other horses, 
and they can customize the scene more. They can code it to talk, be more interactive, and actually tell the story of this time in history. That is amazing. And like you said, one of the things that I love that you mentioned there is that the students can narrate this story. They can create, you know, based on what they're learning or maybe for creative writing purposes, maybe change up the story, you know, but at least you're getting the students to write, to think, collaborate. And so this is just an amazing, amazing tool. Yeah. So from the perspective of history that we got told and the protagonists in the video game, um, which I had to buy the book and now you've died of dysentery, which I found at Target for like eight bucks. But um, it was funny reading with my students some of the lines and uh, the protagonist is the pioneer. Um, they're marginalized stories that we never hear or learn about. So their job was to actually go in and um, tell their protagonists, uh, we, instead of the Oregon Trail, there are five trails that you could take to get to Oregon or California. There's the Gila Trail. There's, I don't remember all the trails now. Um, but they had to pick a trail and they segmented it in the sections of the game. And one would tell um, the story of the Native Americans. Um, another, the, the story of women during this time, um, of, of uh, African-American slaves. Like, what, what was their experience like? So it, it gave them the opportunity to explore further narratives within the larger narrative uh, to, to get down to how it impacted everyone, not just, you know, the pioneers and the, you know, the gold rush. Uh, the Chinese immigrants were, it was, it was a huge, uh, during the, the gold rush, like the, um, the laws that were created that were very racist and, um just d dividing um they got to learn about all that and they got to learn how uh historically you know connecting it to current day what's going on and and just seeing that collective holistic history and and it sparked amazing conversations Oh, most definitely. Like, this is just amazing. And just to hear that experience, too, as well, you know, for our audience members that are listening, I did pop that link in there. I'll definitely make sure and put it in the show notes as well. So you can go ahead and check this out as well. Uh, now, Amanda, I wanted to talk to you because I know you did mention and we, you did mention Artie. So we want to make sure that we uh, we do talk about that because I know that that's a project that's happening. And first of all, I also want to say thank you so much because you were kind enough to trust me to just look through this. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's such a wonderful uh, book, a read for young scholars to be able to understand the world that we are moving into. And as they continue to grow, they become familiar with what we're seeing. And, and what we're seeing is definitely, like I mentioned, you know, AI in education. So tell us a little bit about that too, as well. Yeah, I, I did start, but I'm, I'm like a squirrel when I get talking. There's like so many different, I'm just like, oh, squirrel. Yeah. Let's talk about blockade labs now. Mm -hmm. So um, already bought, uh, but actually before we even started the AI classroom. I think I started this last year. Um, I started writing about this little robot from the perspective of, of it was, it was a, the art community debates on, you know, mid journey Dolly, like looking at Canva image generator, now Firefly, um, all of these tools that, you know, you type in a prompt and boom, you've got art that's not art. And uh, it's, it's very divided. And a lot of it comes down to how AI has been trained um, and the body of work that it's been trained on. So there's lawsuits that have arose. And I, I think what we're going to see is a shift to how these tools are trained in the future to make them more accepted. But um, Artie Bot arose from that debate and from, from the artist community saying that's not art. And I saw this big thing with it, it, it's a competition. It's it's me versus the the machine, and it doesn't have to be because a lot of artists are using it to um, spark ideas. They're using it. They're uploading their own art and putting filters or finesses or altering it and then exporting it back into Photoshop. So there's a lot of a lot of steps and and there's a big process behind it. And and there's a lot of people that are using it in beautiful ways. So what I wanted to do is break down what, what it means and what it is for children, 
because sometimes when you break it down on a, you know, elementary school level, it's easier to have conversations around it and understand, uh, I guess, the argument and debate around the topic in general. So um, I'm just going to read a quick excerpt. So um, it starts off, Artie Bot, you know, he's going to school with humans and um, which, yeah. Okay. So you guys are actually seeing my, this is, this is my last final editor copy. So you can see actually my editor, Laura Bont, she's phenomenal. Um, she specializes in meter and I write in meter specifically anapestic tetrometer. So um, it, it, this was like, I think the, it says round three, but I make copies, so it's technically round six, six iterations of this. So Artie Bot is an AI-equipped art machine, engineered to make beauty appear on his screen. He's programmed to paint using written commands, keying word after word into long verbal strands. He rolled into art class with zero supplies, just a system that scanned other art through his eyes. He studied each student as they studied him. They looked at his frame from his head to his rim. I'm here to create and enter the show, Keen Artiebot said in a digitized glow. I convert text to image and draw from my system, but his classmates were human and fast to dismiss him. That isn't creative, said Sloan to the left. What you are producing is no more than theft. Let him try, said Miss May. He's not like you or me. I wonder what art made by robots could be. So um, as as they kind of go through, uh, Artie's just, you know, first part is like learning all the different art like they covered art deco pop art and baroque each painting was analyzed down to each stroke he the the kids are pissed (laughs) sorry Mm -hmm. Um, they're this they can't compete with his memory and his recall and then like well that's fine but can you create and then boom before they've got their canvases set up he's created this um this work that channels matisse and they just they're just throwing in the towel they're getting more and more mad and um, they they bring up the public domain. It's not it's it's that I don't like the way you were trained. So um, it's bringing in some of some of these vocabulary words that are important to have conversations with with students. It introduces media literacy, um, citations, and and just just really frames that debate. I'm not gonna say how it ends, but that's that's my little teaser. Oh, I love it. But like you said, you know, one thing that I want to highlight is like you said, we are having these conversations. There are people on both sides. I, for myself, I always say, like, I'm kind of in the middle trying to reconcile both and listen to both. And because I do share on both sides, I'm here for all the AI, but then, you know, also, you know, listening to all those valid concerns and in doing research too, I I try and listen to both sides. But it it is, I'm not going to lie, it is an exciting time. And these conversations, though, that are being had, one thing that I love that you said is sometimes when you bring it down to this level, people understand it a little bit more. And now it's like, oh, okay. So I absolutely love that. So when I read it, I was like, man, Artie's so cool. Like, (laughs) this is awesome because you can definitely have a conversation around this and it's easy to understand. And even for some of those uh, veteran teachers or even just anybody in any space that may be curious and, and is still unsure you know, having a conversation and just reading something like this, getting an idea and then just kind of seeing things from different perspectives is such a, such something that is amazing. So definitely excited for that. And do you know uh, more or less when uh, Artie would be coming out? Um, In the fall. Okay. Excellent. I've got to, I've got to wait for, so Trisha has graciously agreed to be my illustrator. I love Peter Amita so much. Like her robot illustrations are just out of this world, like pun and pun intended. (laughs) Um, I, I wanted, I thought it would be cool. I was like, well, I have this, I have already bought. It'd be cool if they kind of came from the same universe. So to have that done, um, I asked her if she would be my illustrator and she, she accepted. And so it, it depends on how quickly we finish up with Peter before we can start the illustration process for Artie. But I'm, I'm hoping for a fall. fall oh, but I love that, though. I, and see, even the story behind this, just the collaboration, but also having both robots coming from the same universe. Like, man, I can definitely see something big coming from this, too, as well, as that is a wonderful universe. But now, Amanda, I want to kind of switch gears to now, you know, the AI classroom. Now, the reason 
to this. I have seen this, you know, posted on Twitter, on Facebook. There's, of course, the Facebook page. A lot of my educator friends definitely have a copy of this. And it's gotten some really high praise, you know, from a lot of wonderful educators and even non-educators that I know that have had their hand on the book and just seen how robust it is, but just how you know, in detail it goes to make things just easy to understand. So give us a little brief overview of what the book covers and why this should be a book that is, you know, for a, a great asset, I should say, to our teacher tool belt or even creator tool belt. So um, the book kind of starts off with uh, the, we, we call the chapter or that part, the AI uprising. And first I want to give kudos to Dan Fitzpatrick because the bulk of this book was authored by him and he's an absolute genius. And um, I was thrilled when he allowed me con- to, to be a co-author and contribute to his wonderful work. And um, I think we did a good job at complimenting each other. Um, Brad Weinstein also uh, is a co-author and the three of us worked really hard on having this come together, but our vision for it was, to kind of cover that AI uprising, the rise of the machines, um, making sure teachers understand that the future is already here. Like uh, we, we need to be uh, preparing the students that we're teaching now, introducing them to AI, making sure they at least know what it is and how to use it, how how to have it complement their work versus competing with them. And, and um, Dan just published a blog the other day talking about uh what was it? AI plagiarism tools, put them, put them all in the garbage can. This is, this is what you need to be doing. So if if you don't follow Dan, he puts out an amazing newsletter every week. um, And you're going to get a lot of stuff that's not in this book, but in this book, in this almost 400 page book, we um, talk about the future. We um, talk about pedagogy. The big thing we wanted to, was to make sure that a pedagogical foundation was, um, was present we didn't just want to talk about AI disconnected from, from education or our classrooms, but connect it to like UDL and talk about prompt engineering and um, teach teachers how to prep the machine, which is uh, an acronym that we have if you wanted to share that. Um, so there's prep and edit. Um, if you wanted to, oh, there we go. So um, a prompt engineer framework essentially for teachers. So you know, first you have to prompt it, you have to give it a role, give it explicit instructions, and then put in the parameters. And in the book, we we give 40 examples of how to use it in the classroom. And um, the second part is, is for teachers, but more for students. And I demonstrated this at McCall, how to, once students create this, this prompt and they get their output, it doesn't stop at the output. It's like this, it's like the cycle and um, chat GPT or whatever generative AI text platforms you're using, um, it's a conversation bot. So you don't have to type in a brand new prompt. You can, ha- you can go and say, okay, um, eliminate this, add this tone and create five bullet points for this. Now do, do the, it's, it's just, it's an iterative thing. It's a conversation that you keep going. And then with, with the output, you have to evaluate your output for language facts and structure. So from an English teacher's perspective, they have to know what a fact versus opinion is. They have to know how to identify that. So they have to go in and underline these things. And then if they didn't underline it, it might be an opinion. So um, they have to then determine the accuracy and corroborate with sources. So they have to go find sources that actually corroborate the facts that are in this piece. And then they have to add in uh, in in-text citation and then they have to elaborate that on that based on whatever source they found and add a new detail. Um, seven is identify biases and misinformation. So there's a whole platform that kind of guides them through uh, doing that. Um, here's, here's the edit matrix that we created. So um, this kind of takes teachers through how to use it. And um, then there's the transform content. And with the transform content, so this is, this is actually the diagnostic questionings that you could give students to help them. How can you determine whether a statement um, is fact or opinion? Are there specific indicators or cues to look for? So they have to think about the language structure and the information they're processing. And then um, that final transform piece, that sentiment analysis, that totally helps 
with um, determining whether something's opinion or fact-based, what type of uh, language or what type of writing structure are they producing? Is it argumentative or opinionated essay? Then yes, that's fine if there are biases, but do you have the counter argument? Like, you know, making sure that they have these components and, but using this tool not to cheat, but to um, streamline and actually help them evaluate and better understand text structures. So um, this, this is one of the uh, amazing, I guess, <laughs> graphics that we have and, and frameworks that we use. And then there's also a whole section on UDL and um, using these tools to make sure that we're, you know, reaching, representing, and engaging all of our students that are in our classroom. And you can't just, you know, cherry pick tools and, oh, this is a new hot tool. You got to understand why you're using it, how you're using it, and um, making sure that it's serving the student in the room and it's, it's meeting their needs. So these are just, what, 10? 10 of probably 20 or 30 tools in the UDL chapter. And um, it, it has screenshots. It goes into detail of how to use each of these, what part or what, you know, what UDL guidelines they're serving. And, and it, it really kind of explicitly gives you information of how to effectively use them versus using them for the sake of using AI because it's, it's like a hot fad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fad, but it's, it's rightfully so because it's new. But um, used correctly and implemented with fidelity and un, you know understanding of, of the students in our classroom, it's it's not going away. <laughs> no, most definitely not. And like I said, it's like now that we have it forward facing as opposed to just the platforms that the students would normally get on, and it would have some sort of you know uh, algorithm, some sort of just way that it would help maneuver the students through lessons through help uh, you know close gaps and so on but now we never thought about it you know teachers are like oh we, we just put them on this platform and the platform does all the work but now that we see that sort of technology just right in our faces that's the where we get those reactions and you know again from I think from December on when all of this kind of blew up things have kind of started to kind of just uh you know, kind of come back to some sort of acceptance. Still, the conversations are there, but I think that people are definitely reading more about it and educators such as yourself and, of course, Dan and Brad and everybody out there that's putting things out into the space to share, you know, obviously the good, some of the precaution that is there, but at least having those conversations and also not trying to steer teachers away from using it because I think that this is something that is a great tool for teachers themselves. Also, like I always say, if there's a tool that, you know, if you can get back five to 10 minutes of your day to just decompress, even if you're in your, your classroom with the lights off and everything and less thing you, less things that you need to worry about. I think that's a win, you know, and this is something with the AI can definitely do. So definitely some exciting times. So I'm very, very, thankful for that and of course thankful for this amazing and complete guide that you have put out here into the education space to help us navigate and answer some of those questions and lose that fear and just take a little bit of risk and learn about it so thank you so much Amanda for your work and of course for for Dan to Dan and Brad and you know that contributed all you together this is something that is amazing and much needed and it came out at the right time. So thank you so much for your work. I really appreciate it. And it's just been an amazing conversation, Amanda. Thank you so much. Like I said, I've been a huge fan, huge follower, and thank you for all you continue to do. And I'm looking forward to, you know, what else is coming because it just seems like every so often I see on Twitter, you've got something going on. There's another book, there's another project, there's another podcast and so on. And I don't know how you do it, but keep doing it because we definitely need more uh, passionate, inspiring educators such as yourself in our space for sure. Well, I, I aspire to be on episode 193 of my podcast one day. <laughs> so, um, thank you for for um, for being a consistent and an um, inspiration for me and my work as well. Um, what I what I tell educators, which you hear, you hear this a lot, AI will not replace you, but AI will an AI using teacher will replace you. I'm going to take that a step further and say 
maybe an AI using teacher won't replace you, but that AI using teacher is going to get an hour more at home with their kids. They're going to have, you know, and um, in McCall, I, I was kind of talking about this and how it's just streamlined my workflow to where, you know, in the classroom, we selflessly raise other people's children. We spend more time with other people's children on a date, not raise them. That's, but we spend, we spend more time, eight, you know, eight hours with other people's children. And that's more oftentimes than we spend with our own. So because we take work home with us and we're constantly working in the afternoons, the weekends, that spring break, guess what? Probably working over that yeah. unless you're really, really good and not bad like me and, you know, workaholic, but um, that, that time that you'll get back from, from using AI is something that I beg all, all teachers to not discount and to explore. Yeah, most definitely. I had a comment here from Sophie, Sophie Young. She's joining us and she says it has become her personal assistant. She says she loves chat GPT because it helps her do regular tasks faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. So way to go, Sophie. Well, Amanda, we've come to the tail end of the show, but before we go, I always love to end the show with the following two questions. So hopefully you are ready here. And the first question is in the current state of AI, all right, we're going to, since this is what we're talking about, what would you say is your current AI kryptonite? Um, so I, I didn't totally understand this question when you, when you kind of asked it initially, and I had time to think about it. And I think uh, the thing that kind of irks me or that is my kryptonite in terms of how it's adopted and accepted, uh, one is that uh, the bans, people who want to ban it, um, two would be being too narrow minded. Like when, when you say AI thinking chat GPT, well, you know, our book has probably 50 other AI tools that have nothing to do with how students can cheat, but can help assist them and you as a teacher. So um, getting out of that mindset of, of, of being too provincial and narrow-minded and looking at the tools and AI holistically, like overall, like what, what exists? So um, just chat GPT is the first thing I think that comes to people's minds, but you have to dig deeper. You have to go further and, and find tools that are going to work for you. Maybe chat GPT, isn't it? But there are tools that can be so. Excellent. Great answer, Amanda. All right. And question number two is if you go board with anything on it, what would it be and why? So I'm a big fan of Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. And um, I've kind of changed that a little bit um, from my Steam and Maker background. If you let them build it, they will come. That would be my billboard because um, it's all about making the kids do the work, letting them learn through experience and being hands-on. So stop doing all the work. I love <laughs> Let's do some work and build it. Yes, I love that, Amanda. Thank you so much because, yeah, that's definitely important. Like you said, let them do the work, put the ball on their court, be that facilitator, still be around, be guiding them, but just see how they become inspired, they problem solve, they share, they collaborate, they start having those conversations, and that's where the magic happens. So, yes, I absolutely love that billboard and agree with you on that. Well, Amanda, Thank you. It has been an honor. It has been a pleasure just hearing everything and your story from the very beginning till now. And then I look forward to what is going to be happening in the future that you're going to be doing, because it seems like you said you are definitely nonstop, but I love the content that you're putting out. So keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Thank you so much for being here this evening. And for all our audience members that were joining us, those of you that were joining us live, we had Sophie that were joining us live. We know we had, had Trisha who joined us live too as well. And then of course we had a couple of other viewers uh, that were joining us. Thank you so much as always for making my ed tech life what it is today please make sure that you stop by our website at myedtech.life myedtech.life where you can check out this amazing episode and the other 192 amazing episodes with wonderful educators and creators where you can take a little bit of knowledge nuggets sprinkle them on to what you are already doing great 
And also, if you would love to contribute to our mission of connecting educators and creators one show at a time, please stop by our merch store where you can get yourself a nice My Ed Tech Life cap, a sweater, or a shirt. We know that summer conference season is around the corner, or you can start prepping for that fall conference season because we've got some great sweaters too as well. So we all, and I just want to let you know that all of that goes back to our show as well. And please make sure you go to our YouTube channel, give us a like, share, follow on all social media. That way, all the wonderful algorithms put us all into your feed and into your friends' feeds so they can listen to these amazing episodes. So thank you as always. And you will be able to find all of Amanda's information on the show notes. Please make sure that you do. Actually, I beg you, please make sure you follow her on Twitter if you are not following her already because you will definitely be blown away by what she shares. And as always, my friends, until next time, don't forget, stay techie.